This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome to Asia Torah in the Essentials Program of uh, uh, here in Jerusalem. Uh, today we have some interesting subjects, and there was someone who had a question earlier that I'd heard. Was I don't know if any of you have this question, but it's an interesting question. I don't know how far I'll go with it, but the question was, what difference do we make for God? You ever thought about that? What difference do we make for God? Let me get the Kabbalistic background here. If we're all being created ultimately by this creator, does this creator need us? That's one question. How could a creator that's perfect and lacks nothing need us? But it goes even deeper Kabbalistically, is that if we're all creations, if we're all... If we're all creations of this being, so then we're made of it, because before there was something, there was nothing, and nothing makes nothing, so in this case, the nothing made something, so therefore that nothing must be God, and what did that nothing use, what did God use to create the world? Uh, if all there was was himself, what did he use to create the world? Himself. Himself. So what are we made of? God. Yeah, we're made of God. So then, so the, you see, once we go Kabbalah, now it's really a weird question. Like, what does he want? Like, what's he doing? What's God up to here? Because if I'm a, cre- if you're a creation of this being, made of the being, so then, and then you're, you're now in Judaism we have these mitzvahs, so we're supposed to like do these things for the being, but we're made of the being. So is the being giving to himself? Is this being giving to himself? Like. Are we in some kind of like weird narcissistic video game that like this being's getting us to like have to have these choices like because we all feel the choice you feel this choice away from the being there's a choice towards the being the way the choice of ways with what, what Judaism calls evil I know the rest of the world's religions like Christianity for example George the rest of the world's within they really like the whole good and evil thing. Judaism, we're not against that, but we define one as away from and the other as toward God. Away from God, toward God. That's all. Evil's away. Good is toward. And it's not always so clear which way's which. Way's which. What's the greatest good? You want to figure that out. Because you could have two good choices. Two choices are good. I can keep Shabbat, or I can go help out somebody. And helping that somebody, if I'm the only one who can really help that person, maybe it's a life and death or So, which good do I go for? Break Shabbat and go help the guy, or do I keep Shabbat? No, no. It's a life or death. You better go to him. So you, you even got choice amongst good, which means there's no evil in the choice. But maybe the greater good's the greater good, so I gotta go do that. But what's all, but the question was, what is God getting out of all this if he's the one creating it all? And if he creates you, if he's like, if you're literally just like a, you know, imagine this is like, you ever seen kids pop-up books? Where you have this like book and the, you open the page and then it pops up? We're in a pop-up book. In God's mind. We're in this giant, all this 3D world you're seeing around you, according to what I've been saying, is just a holographic projection. And so are you. And your body is just an avatar. You have an avatar in this world. This is your avatar. 
It's also a projection. And, and what's, what's vivifying your body, what's giving it life, it's the neshama, the who you really are. Your soul's who you are. You've been given an avatar that somehow interfaces with this world, this pop-up world, this holographic projection. Back to the question, it's all, but it's all being projected by a being, but it's being projected from the being. So it's really kind of of the being. And that's the name in Hebrew. You notice every bracha has two words, two names of God, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu. The first word, Hashem, is God's surrounding space and time. Elokeinu is God filling space and time. It's like a burrito. You LA people, you ever gone to, uh, we have one authentic Mexican food restaurant. Maybe the only kosher authentic Mexican food outside of Mexico is uh, it's called a Mexi-kosher in LA. You know, with like meat that's been cooked for 24 hours. Like the real authentic type stuff. You're not going to, everything else, every other kosher Mexican place, like Carlos and, uh, what's that place called? Carlos and Gabby's in New York. That's Tex-Mex. Okay? But there's an actual, if you ever get to LA, you got to check out a, a Mexi-kosher. But God is like, this whole system is like a burrito. You got the tortillas, God's surrounding space and time. And then you got the rice and beans, it's God filling space and time. The surrounding is called Hashem, Baruch Atah Hashem, surrounding. Elokeinu is the rice and beans. And that's why the word Elokeinu really comes from the word Elokim, which is plural. And how can the Jews have a plural name of God? The answer is because God's filling all of creation. Mm-hmm. Well, the creation's made of many things. You got wool, you got vegetable, you got animal, flesh as animal. You got mineral, the tables made of minerals. So we have a name of God that's actually in the plural. And Shema Yisrael is the same. Shema Yisrael, Hashem, that which surrounds space and time. Elokeinu is what fills space and time. Hashem, surrounding space and time. Echad, it's all one. And amazingly, it doesn't say there's one of him. It doesn't say there's one of God. That's, that's religion. Religion are the believers in that there's one God. Judaism, it, you know, it never says in our whole Torah. There's no Torah to hold up. <laughs> I like my crops. Here. In our whole Torah, it never says that there's one God. It only says that God is one. It's, it doesn't say, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, there's one of him. It says, Hero is the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's absolute oneness. And the creation's one with it. So what is God? What kind of being? Does he need us? Hey, you're back. How's it going? Wait, we got a table for two. So one of the question is like, does God need us? I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. But here we are. And everyone, the one thing we know about our lives here is we have choice between oh, towards or away from God. Good and evil. Choice towards or away. So if we've been given all this choice, and obviously, which one makes you feel good? The choice for good or the choice for evil? Which one makes you feel good? Probably the evil one. It's better. It does not make you feel good. They, they made Prozac for that. Okay? They, now, the choice that makes you feel good is the one that's the good choice. I didn't say the one that makes your body feel good, George. 
Sometimes the one that makes you feel good. You are not your body. Don't forget, remember, your body's an avatar. In Judaism, when we say the word you, we're talking about your soul, not talking about your body. The one that makes you, i.e., your actual self, the actual point of, your point of reference, think about it. You have a point of reference that's hearing me right now. What do you think? That's your ears hearing me? Your ears are tympanic membranes that receive vibrational information in math. All your ears do is collect mathematics. It sends it via nerves to a to cerebral cortex built of billions of neurons, and those neurons either fire or don't fire. Fire or don't fire. Now, when you have billions of things firing or not firing, well, it creates patterns. That's why every DVD is made of ones and zeros. Fire, not fire. Fire, not fire. When you have billions of ones and zeros put together, it creates a pattern. And that pattern can be a movie, or that pattern can be this room right now. But that's still not you. Those are just neurons. And the neurons report to you. But what could God want? What can you do for God? Why did he do this? Why did God do all this? So I, my Rebbe answers this question with a, with a great uh, analogy. My Rebbe answers this with a great analogy. It goes like this. There was once a little boy who used to go to this old lady's house in his neighborhood. He would ride his bike to this old lady's house every day, and she would, um, she would bake him chocolate chip cookies. And so the boy would go, and he would, she, he would knock on her door, and she would hand him, like, nice hot chocolate chip cookies. The boy was very happy. She was happy to give him. All's good. She got too old one day, and she could, like, no longer remember anything or how to shop for it or how to make the dough or any of that stuff. She was too old. She was still alive. But it was very sad for her that she could no longer give the boy cookies because the boy would knock every day and she'd come to the door and she'd be like, no cookies. And the boy would cry and walk away. So what happened was the boy's mom got wind of the situation and she felt bad. So she said like this, I'm going to make the cookie dough. And what I'm going to do is you're going to take the cookie dough, you're going to jump over her back fence, make your way into her house and put the cookie dough inside her fridge. She'll open up her fridge. She's going to find cookie dough. I'll have the cookies pre-made inside there on like, you know, wax sheet, wax paper sheets. She'll put the cookie dough inside the oven, bake the cookies, and then you'll come and get your cookies. So the boy says, great idea. He went late that night, jumped over the fence, popped the dough inside the fridge, went to school the next morning, comes to the lady's house on his bike, knocks on the door, and there she is for Piping hot chocolate chip cookies. Now, who made those cookies? God did. Excellent. Let's get out of the analogy. The analogy is, who is God? Everybody. Everybody. Well, no, in this particular case, God is the, the mother of the boy. And the boy's really the one delivering the cookies to the, over the fence and to the fridge. She's taking the sheets of cookies. She, all she's doing is putting them in under a heat element. She's heating it up. That's all she does. She heats it up and then brings it to the door. Are you starting to get what I'm talking about here? Is that God's bake... <laughs> so let's go to our life. Is, is 
God's God really likes chocolate chip cookies, and he's put he's put us in the in the system to somehow bring the cookies to the door, to heat things up, to bring somehow bring it bring it to God. But it's all of God in the first place, and He's creating the whole thing. Now, here's the question, and that was your original question: is why? Why? Why would God do that? You know what the answer is? We have no idea. We don't know. And we'll never know. And one great rabbi, Rabbi Yitzhak Berkowitz, said, it doesn't matter at this point, does it? Meaning, you got to do something with your day. What are you going to do with your day? You stay in bed. And what are you going to do? Are you going to go water ski? How many days in a row can you water ski? You know, until you're eventually like, my life's meaningless. You know, what are you going to do? Stare at YouTube on your cell phone, watch movies all day? Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people, raise your hand if that's what you've been doing. <laughs> hey, be honest. Hey, everyone else is lying. Okay. The, seriously, what are you going to do? We're going to come to Asia Torah and learn the Torah. Okay, you got to do something. You got to do something. I was raised not keeping Judaism. I wasn't raised doing it. But I definitely got to a point. I was surfing internationally. I was living in Santa Barbara for five years. I was surfing some of the best waves in the world, touring the planet, doing this. Sounds like a dream, right? <laughs> Except after you've, after you've paddled out and surfed in and paddled out and surfed in and paddled out and surfed in and paddled and surfed in, for six to eight hours a day for 12 years straight. Eventually, you look in the mirror and you realize, I have a concept of good and evil because whenever I do the right things, I feel good. Whenever I do the wrong things, I feel bad. It always makes me feel bad af afterwards. I always, I'd always feel bad. It's a fine young man. <laughs> Anyone have my son's number, by the way? That's the brakes were just fixed on one of our mountain bikes. I need them to go bring it to the shop. Yeah. So the surfing is meaningless. And the pattern of is full, but we don't know why, so it's just meaningless. <laughs> it's not just as meaningless because whoever whoever the the like the mad like Merlin magician who's created this place if that's his will, so I'm here to do it. You got a his message. will isn't... He said, please call him ASAP. Oh, that's nice. Okay. I'm, I'm happy to call him, but it's not ASAP right now. <laughs> ASAP will happen after this class. The, the surfing is meaningless because it's just surfing. This is whatever magical Merlin that for some reason wants us here inside this, like, giant video game. Oh, by the way, if Torah's not true, if Torah's not real, then you've, you're for sure right. Then <laughs> forget about it. Like, well, what are you going to bother with anything? But we don't know why. Fine, it's real. But we don't have the Once Torah's real, so, like, okay, you know, he apparently wants me to get this thing done because I'm Jewish and I'm part of this Torah tradition of thousands of years. So, like, somehow, me not, me refraining from cooking, let's say, or driving on Shabbat is 
is like really important for the creator of all this. It sounds arbitrary. Um, maybe there's like some crazy emergency because my son knows I'm teaching. Uh, does someone have an Israeli cell phone around? Israeli. Can you do me a favor? Just uh, dial this number, or t uh, text this number, 052 834. Sorry, that's my number. Uh, start again, 058. 322-1173 and just, just text him say your father's teaching a class now and uh, if it's an emergency he will stop thank you alright now I'm going to take that Chloe one sec what was I just handling what did you, what'd you just say I don't know exactly there is no we don't have the reason. We don't know why. We don't know why. We don't have the reason. However, what's the reason? As I mean, because again, yeah, everything's always going to boil down to Torah. If it wasn't for this, we'd have no reason or no meaning. But we have. No what's that? We have no reason. Except we don't know why. No, we don't. Oh, I get your question. Okay, guys, I'm going to ask you two questions. You ready? Why did God create the world? That's question one. Ready for question two? Why did God create the world? That's just one question. Didn't it sound like one question? No, it's two questions. One question is, why did God create the world before he created it? All there was was God. Like, what's his problem? Like, he's bored? Question two is, now that there's a world, because I don't know if you guys looked around lately, but there's a world. Now that there's a world, why did God create the world? We know that. We're here to bake chocolate chip cookies. If you're a Gentile, you make them very, very simply. If you're a Jew, you know, you should at least make sure they're parv in case someone's flashing. <laughs> I'm not kidding. There's more details if you're Jewish. But if you're Gentile, <laughs> just make chocolate chip cookies and enjoy them. Try to have God in mind while your taste buds are bouncing around to the delicious taste of chocolate chip cookies. If you're a Jew, better to use bitter chocolate. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So that anyone who ate meat can enjoy the can enjoy them as well. We're here to bake cookies. You understand that's two questions. There's why did God create the world before there was a creation and why did God create now that there is one? Let's be practical. We're here. We got to know what we're doing here. The inter what I got the question is before 2448, when, when was the Torah given? I just gave it away. 2448, after, it's easy to remember. After Adam's birth, the year 2448 was when the Torah was given. Before 2448, what was God's plan there? How's anyone ever supposed to know what God wants? There had been no revelation at that point of what God wants. So, like, how's anyone supposed to know? There it looks a little more on the meaningless side. There's an answer for that too. Though. You know what the answer is? The answer is is that man, who is called meaning mankind, who is called Adam, Adam, which is the name man, which equals forty plus four plus one, which equals forty-five, which equals the word ma, which means the word what? That human beings were actually supposed to 
claw their way through the matrix, through creation, and ask all of the questions, 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 about what is this all about until they find their way to God. The problem is, is that the way God set us up was that this question, what, was only a tiny portion of human humanity. Because there was another thing called There's another thing called sex and survival. They're kind of another drive. Have you guys noticed the plant kingdoms all about reproduction and, uh, and survival? And the, um, you notice the animal kingdoms all about reproduction and survival? You guys notice that? You guys watch National Geographic lately? And uh, human beings are also we're part animal. Remember, Adam had two creations. He's the only being in the whole creation that had two creations. First a body, and then it said that God blew a soul, a living soul. Well, that living soul is the what part of you. The only reason you guys are in here is for the what. Because, I mean, unless there's something I don't know about this program, there's not going to be any extra sex or survival going on in here. <laughs> Although it does seem like a great pickup scene. The... Um, <laughs> That's just not what we're doing here. You know, most of the buildings in the city of Jerusalem, they're all basically, you know, just look at all the storefronts. Every single storefront is either sex or survival. It's either going to be food, banks, or it's going to be fashion. Every single store. Cosmetics. Attraction. It's all going to be that. These two. But you're in a $30 million building here that was built only for the soul, for the actual you that your neurons report to, the actual you. You're part animal. Animal voice is broken into two things, survival and reproduction, which we call, of course, survival and sexuality. We're hardwired for that, but we got another part of us, and that's the part that God created us for. It just so happened that for the first 24, 48 years, God's plan failed. It just didn't go. Now, I know the question, how could God make a plan that's not going to work? And the answer is, he, got, he gave gobs and gobs and gobs of free will. You guys notice how much free will you have? It's almost scary. You kind of wish other people didn't have as much. Other people. We're very hypocritical with free will. You know, we wish the burglars didn't have that much, and the muggers didn't have that much, and the politicians who have murdered, you know, you know, hundreds of millions of people didn't have that much. And we wish the Nazis certainly didn't have that much. And we wish the rapists didn't have that much. And we wish the, the you know, the murderers didn't have that much. It's like, all the bad guys shouldn't have that much. But if you don't mind God, I'd like to keep mine. I brought a lot of people back to being able to say there's a God because they were grandkids of Holocaust survivors that their grandparents taught them that there's no God because how could God have let them have? And when they start to hear this hip hypocrisy of like, I want free will. I want to be able to make choices. Listen to me. If you want to make choices, that means you're going to have from the best to the worst. Those are, that's, it doesn't, every one of us have a full spectrum. 
So if you want it, why would you? Why? Why are other people who are gonna misuse it? Why are they? Why should they not have it? Everyone should have. It. Okay, our planet could get in serious trouble with it, but we don't understand God. Back to nothing. We don't understand him. We don't just get it. You know, we'd all like to go up to God and say, "Hey, what's the deal? You gave so much free will. Like a third of our people were killed." I mean, what would God say to us? What would He say? He was like. You know, you don't understand me. I'm an infinite being. You know, like, I'm an infinite being. Like, I understand on Earth you wouldn't have these kinds of things happen. I'm not on Earth. I'm an infinite being. And I've got, I've got agendas that if I were going to explain them to you, I'd have to kill you. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get it. I mean, if we're being, how do you guys know there aren't another 50 of planets just like ours with a whole other game plan? How do you know? We don't. There's galaxies beyond count. Each of those galaxies, God, now mathematically it's not so possible there'd be another Earth. They say you'd have to have like a billion big bangs to get one more Earth, mathematically. But who believes in mathematics? God's the one who made this one. Because mathemat- if mathematically it's almost impossible, there would be another. There'd be an Earth from a Big Bang. So therefore, there's got to be a God even with the Big Bang. And if there's other planets out there with humans on that planet, so then that's only possible if God's put them there. And maybe they have totally different rules. And maybe their settings are different. Or maybe Adam and Eve never ate from the fruit. And they get to live in a translucent world. That's why we look at our fingernails at Havdalah. Because we look at the candle with our fingernails. I always forget to mention at that at my Havdalah concert. So we always got secular people who are like never seen this in their life. Someone's walking through with this multi-wick torch throughout my house, you know, during the concert. After I made the blessing on the candle. And so they see people like going like this. One guy two weeks ago, he went like this. He went around the candle, he went. <laughs> they didn't know what to do. They're they're like you know, they're, yeah. They didn't know we're looking at the reflection of our translucent fingernails to remind us of Adam and Eve before they ate the fruit, of the world they lived in. They could see God's. They could see the letters in everything. Everything here is. You guys realize everything here is made up of the letters. When I say the letters, in this case, I'm talking about the numbers. Meaning everything's digital. This whole world is purely digital. Do you think this is English? No, it's not. There's no English coming out of my mouth. I'm sending out this insane amount of mathematics, that vibrational patterns. There's a little monkey on your eardrum playing drums. Sending like gigantic equations to neurons that are purely binary. It's all digital. Your neurons are digital. This is not English. You're living inside a purely vibrational digital experience. Your photons are the eyes that are taking photons at the speed of light, whoa. Incredible amounts of information are hitting your brain right now. Everything's digital. It's all digital. It's all just intelligence. The whole creation's intelligence. This is why music's so spiritual. You guys know what it is. It's because the eyes are taking in things at the speed of light. It's way too much for your central nervous system to really tune in, but guess what speed music moves? Speed of sound is much, 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 much slower, and your central nervous system, 
can receive it much, 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 much better. And that's why we groove to music in a very spiritual way. Music's extremely spiritual. I can, uh, I imagine some of you have been to a concert with 20, 30,000 people in the audience and, it's, and everyone's like moving to it. Like that's a, a special experience. Sadly lost on Greek culture because if we could only reproduce that for Jews who are like into God and create the vibrational music to them, we could have like, we'd be back to the temple times. In the temple we had thousands of musicians, thousands of vocalists. They say it was so loud that you can hear it down, um, that we have a big giant valley, it's called Wadi Kelt. It, it, it's right here, it ends, it starts here, and bends and then goes down all the way to Jericho. They say that you could hear the music in Jericho, the right winds, you could hear the music of the temple in Jericho, that's how loud it was. Like they had this like Wadi Kelt speaker system coming down to them. And everyone was grooving to that, not to mention the incense was like filling the air of Jerusalem, so everyone was high on the incense. They were high on the incense. Itzy. So what are we talking about here? Chloe had a question. Yeah. Would you say that God's infinite kindness just manifested into a, uh, beings that are able to feed themselves? Like, with the, along with the analogy of a cookie, like he's just so giving, so kind that that turned into like a uh, human being that was able to like, give itself the ultimate pleasure. That a human being can give it's so, himself. By connecting to the ultimate being. Ah. Yeah, it, it, that is, they say that the highest level of pleasure is, is to cleave to God. Like that's the highest level of pleasure. So there's this whole other subject, which we didn't touch on at all, is God's desiring your pleasure. We didn't even speak about that. But I mean, think about, think about craft beer. Beer is how we know God loves us. <laughs> Watermelon, grapes. You realize your body's lined. It's lined with nerve endings. When's the last time you got a massage? I mean, it's like your body's just built with pleasure sensors. You have extra nerve endings around, you know, big pleasure sensors like eyes and ears, and taste buds and smell. Obviously, the the uh, sexual apparatus has an extreme amount of nerve endings. I mean, you're built for pleasure. Like, that's another whole thing. Like, how are we supposed to figure that out? Like, is God just trying to tell us he loves us? Is this just one big I love you? And can you please serve me chocolate chip cookies, even though it's me doing it? Can, can I give you the ability? Like, the infinite being would like chocolate chip cookies, please. So, so he's like, he's going to do absolutely everything. And then we're just going to take the plate of cookies and go like this. And we're gonna get rewarded for that. We're gonna be rewarded for that's wild. Like, talk about love. No one's loved you like that. And you're being created all around like this. Like your whole being's being created. The world's getting orchestrated around you. Have you ever noticed your life always is perfect? You notice that? Your life's always perfect. <laughs> so we look at like, Rabbi, 
My life has not always been perfect. In fact, it's not even perfect right now. Oh yeah? What's wrong? Someone tell me one thing wrong right now. Spira? Whoa. Amazing. You'll have one of the top historians written all these books and stuff. Anyway, but he's like the opposite personality. Like you're actually gonna get content, you can take notes and everything. My class is purely experiential. Now, was I about? I was just starting to say something when my alarm went off. What's wrong? I have a question. On that. You're saying that like our life is perfect right now, but oh yeah, that's where I'm. Wait, let me let me go with it for a second, okay, okay. and then you'll ask you, and we'll see if you have a question. Okay. Is there anything wrong right now? Is there anything wrong with anyone in this room, in your life, out of your life, in this room, out of this room? Is there anything wrong? Does that mean like yes. Have cancer, like, All the time. Is that lack of capacity to understand? Oh. <sighs> you ever heard someone say it is what it is and it ain't what it ain't? Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard that? Is God creating the world right now? Right now? He could and we would And know. is it exactly as it is and it ain't and it ain't? Is the hospital full of people who are ill? Is that what it is? That's what it. That's it is what it is, and it ain't what it ain't. They're, are they healthy or are they ill? They're ill. They're not healthy. Are all the healthy people healthy right now? Yeah, and they're not ill. Is that what's going on right now? Is there anything wrong here? No. There's nothing wrong here. If I'm happy today, or I'm depressed today. That is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. Tell me, uh, your father, your father, he is who he is? He's not, he's, and he's not who he's not? That's correct. There you go. Yeah, but haven't you had some complaints here and there? Yes. Tell me, those complaints help? No. Are those complaints living in the reality of your father? Do your complaints about your father live in the reality of your father? No. Nope, not at all. He is exactly who he is, and he is not who he's not. That is the father you've got. Your mother. She is who she is. She's not who she's not. That's the mother you've got. If she's living, if she's not living, that's what is. What is has always been happening. It's flowing from the infinite to the finite. At all times, there is nothing wrong here. Now, if you think this is a pipe dream, what I'm talking about, I'll let you know I suffered depression for a lot of years. I was able to get out of it 23 years ago with no medication, no nothing, no counselors, no, no zip. What happened was I was given some access. It was not a very complicated access. I'm giving it to you right now. It's just, it's a, it's a muscle. It's called presence. A lot of people don't have it. It's just being present to what is and what ain't. It always has been, I promise you, every minute of your entire life, it has always been what it is. And every minute of your entire life, it's always not been what it's not been. The only question in the equation is how you relate to it. So you can either be at peace with it, present with what is, which is how God's unfolding. I mean, think about what is this moment? 
What's each moment? It's just the unfolding of infinite into finite. And it unfolds from nothing to something and then goes right out the shredder. And then someone show me yesterday. Can you show me yesterday? Yesterday, please. Can I, can I see last week? Come on, give me last week. Can you give me a minute ago? No, because it's not present. Can you give me a second ago? What? Oh, yeah, it's going to be one little angle of me. You know? Hello. You realize what's going on here, you guys? Once you get into what we've been talking about for the last hour, once you get into this, but you really get into it, and you may need a little training to get into it, once you get into it, which may take a little training, there's nothing wrong. The only part of the equation would be your own personal resistance to what is. And all of a sudden, the fog can lift. The fog does lift. Now, there's a lot more detail than what I'm sharing. I mean, I was, I was like a mess 23 years ago. Like, I, I couldn't see the light of day. I would go down into depression for seven, eight months straight with no respite. So there's a little more detail I'd have to share with you, but I got out. And the most important part is I'm the part of the equation that needs to be at peace with what is and what ain't. And all of a sudden, things get good because it's all being created from infinite to finite. It's coming out of nowhere, and it's going out the shredder. Shalom. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Everyone's welcome to my house, third meal, Abdullah. But most importantly is, um, if anyone wants to... You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.